Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Good afternoon and welcome into Grant and Danny, February 8th, 2024, live from Radio Row at the Mandalay Bay Convention Center in Las Vegas. You are listening to The Fan. We've got a huge show planned for you today. We will be giving away tickets to see the Caps at Capital One Arena at 4 o'clock. We've also got tickets to see Steve Trevino at MGM National Harbor at 5 o'clock today right here on the fan also the guest list today is bountiful i'll tell you about it in just a moment you come out to radio row in vegas there are plenty of people you'll want to talk to and uh, we'll deliver the goods for you today here on grant and danny also going to sound like our normal show as we get you ready for super bowl 58 break down everything going on in dc sports nba trade deadline caps back on the ice danny ruye how are you i'm fine buddy but i gotta know something i got a fever you went to the sphere last night dude you saw my band, U2. Tell me about it. How was it? That was the most unbelievable experience I think I've ever had. First of all, non-sphere for a moment. Because okay. you know I'm not a U2 guy. I am now, officially. I am now a U2 mark as of last night. From this moment forward, they will be a part of the Spotify rotation. Oh, okay? hell yeah, dude. I'm in. I'm all the way in. I'm not an expert on this, and I'm, like, the last guy that should be able to have an opinion on this. But based on my very little experience, I feel like Bono was a hell of a performer. Like, he was really, really good. He talked a lot between sets. Yeah, he'll do that. Normally, it was kind of insightful but also, like, uplifting. I could tell right away this guy's like a, we're here to all feel really good tonight. Everyone's having the best night of their lives. This isn't a Thursday night or a Wednesday night. It's New Year's Eve. It's Christmas Eve. It's the best night you've ever had. Like, that was the vibe all night. Yeah. So, you sounded disappointed. No, like, it was uplifting. A, it, listen, I love you too, but that's that's part of the package. Like, okay. If people go to the U2 concerts, you're, you're going to hear some – Bono's right. going to wax poetic. The, the last time I saw them at Cap One Arena, uh, like, the drummer put down his drumsticks for a while because he knew Bono was on one. That's fine. Pacing around the stage, so, talking about all the different things – that's yeah, what's going a on, you know. couple moments like that. I mean, never more than probably, you know, a minute or two. But you could hear it perfectly. The, the audio was great. It felt like he was kind of taking it to church here and there. But the music was unbelievable. And now we get to the lead, which I've buried. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I don't know if you could ha- have a sphere in any other city in America. There's probably a couple, you know, that are like party cities, Ibiza or something, you know, places where people go where they, they're just there to party so you can have this lit-up thing all night long. 
downtown residents don't get angry. To say that I've never seen anything like this inside goes without saying there's nothing like this on the planet. There is no technological advancement from entertainment's standpoint or otherwise that, that I don't think could equal this or could ever be like this. No concert should ever be shown anywhere else. Like the idea that I'm supposed to see a concert again somewhere that isn't there. Danny, I don't know what to tell you. I'm mm-hmm. going to post a bunch of videos today on Instagram at Grant H. Paulson. But I just got to say, man, it was mesmerizing. It was breathtaking. I, it was about two hours and ten minutes long. And it was one of those things where every time someone walked by me to go to the bathroom, which was a lot because the average age in there was like 66. I was the second youngest person to Adam Epstein <laughs> in the entire building. But you miss like a second of a baseball game. It's okay. You miss it. Someone walks past you at the hockey game to go out to the aisle to go up to, you know, the concourse. There's some passing or, you, you know, you might miss someone going to the offensive zone. Any second you missed of whatever the graphics or the visuals were or, or the images they're flashing – you felt like you were cheated. It was so unbelievable. All I could think about is I wanted to do like a four-hour show on different topics like, who would you want to see there? What band would you want to experience there? What live game moving forward would you want to watch there? I want to watch the Super Bowl there. I'm telling you, dude, you're more of a music guy in a lot of ways than I am. If the if the band that you like is ever at the Sphere, it is worth coming to Vegas, spending crazy amounts of money and going. It was that insane. I just, I loved it. That is so cool. Had it was agree, the man. coolest experience I've ever had. No bits. It was so cool. So what, like, what is, what is it? In other words, like, I understand yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It, so, every, everything's pictures and everything's like moving. And the, it's like gotcha. the whole thing's a live television. That's, that's not, the images aren't distorted, even though like it has to curve to make it into sure. a dome type thing. Like, are they playing cartoons? Are they playing, like, is it like. So for, they can play whatever they fly? want. Like, what is it? I was told that they actually just play, like, Morgan Freeman narrated Animal Planet stuff. And you can, like, pay to go sit and watch that, I too. would do that, too, yeah. But so the sphere on the outside is whatever they want it to be in the craziest, high-definition, incredible way. They've had it be a 49ers helmet or, or you know, the, the Raiders helmet or, or obviously the Chiefs this week, whatever. Um, inside you go in. One issue I have is it seems like from the Venetian, which is one of the big casinos here, everything is funneled in, you know, one area to get in. So getting in and out is a little bit difficult. They could probably clean that process up. But think about a stadium, okay, where, like, you take the corner of a stadium wrapped around, mm-hmm. and then there's just a giant screen, essentially, in front of you. Not particularly close to you, but then on that screen, they have the ability to show whatever they want. So they do super trippy things with almost like a matrix-like numbers that are growing and subtracting and Mm -hmm. dancing around. They have animals that come and go, and they look like they're running at you. There are moments where it's like blue screen of death, and it's just completely blue. One of the cool things they did was they did like a blue screen of death where the whole place was lit up blue, like the back of a computer that died. And then like one bug shows up, and little by little, the bugs... You're, you're basically in a, a flycatcher or something. Mm-hmm. And, like, little bugs are showing up on the screen until after three minutes, you know, the whole thing is covered. But the bugs, if you were to, like, zoom in or focus on any one of them, are high definition and, like, flies with moving wings. I mean, dude, it's it's so trippy and crazy. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not a drugs guy. I don't do any kind of anything. Right. I, part of me wishes I, like, I did a gummy or something. I, I don't know. <laughs> I like, just think, right. Like, right. Like, I just almost because. wish I was a drug guy for a night. Yeah. Right. Like, it. it 
It was the coolest thing ever without it, but I can't imagine. Most of the people I'm in Vegas, whatever, there's plenty of people there that were doing something probably. I just can't imagine what it would have been like for them. Uh, but, yeah, it's – That's super cool. The, the way I would describe it is it's extremely vertical, like stadium seating. It's almost like a giant movie theater. And then the screen, so to speak, which is not flat, but, you know, coming toward you a little bit in front of you. If you've ever been to, like, at an Air and Space Museum or something, when you see, like, the star show above you, yep. that's the closest thing I can describe. It's like that times a 1,000 essentially awesome and then it's a, a, a performance and i think you, you can't just throw anybody in there obviously like my guy Ludacris, or or um i don't know the bands i like like fun i don't know if that plays you need some kind of visual element i was thinking like the red hot chili peppers could be really cool yeah. or i would want to see just it's because it's my band like queen with adam lambert but they've got to be selective they've got fish coming and grateful dead with john mayer or something i guess he plays for them i don't know anything about that hmm. but I'm telling you, man, everyone should do this. It is just that cool. The guy that owns it, unfortunately, is the owner of the Knicks, James Dolan. James Dolan. I thought it was Peter Sphere. It's not. It's James Dolan. And I don't know. I shouldn't say, unfortunately. That guy might be fine. I don't know him. I just, I think of him as like. the best rep. Yeah, a bit of a I think of him as like a jerk who fights people near the arena, you know, near the court. But uh, it loses crazy amounts of money because it made so much. It, It. cost billions to build and they lost like a hundred million dollars last quarter because think about this i was doing some quick math last night i got cheap tickets because michael phillips is a planner and like in september was like hitting the button to get tickets the second that they came available oh so we got in for about 300 bucks last night that's as cheap as you could get in we could have sold our tickets on the secondary market if we wanted to for 750 dollars last night easy the average person getting in, I don't even know what they're paying. I'm guessing at least five. And, again, it's about 18,000 people. So some quick math says they're making, I don't know, $10 million a night or whatever it is, close to it. Now, what would you think? Does U2 get half of that probably? U2's going to have to get some of that, yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty, pretty big, you're, pay, the, pay for the production and all that stuff, yeah. Do you know what Bono's worth, by the way? I bet it's, I bet it's not small. I Googled it. Now, you never know if this stuff's true. $700 million. Sounds right. I'm telling you. They, they, they have been doing this since the late 70s, really came onto the scene in the early 80s. They've been ripping smashes for a long, long, long time. His guitarist is some guy named The Edge. The Edge. Are you familiar? Oh, yeah. That guy was silly. He's I kind the, of fell in love with him last that's, night. That's how, that's how I got into the band, were, were, were his riffs. Really? Yep. I mean, he, he's, he was fire. It was just, I won't keep talking about the experience. It was great. I do want to tell you one more thing, though, that's specific to Danny Ruye. Okay. So Bono, at one point. Shouted me out. Kind of, yes. He's like, I, I do want to say really quickly, <laughs> is the accent help or distract? Should I no, just it leave it? helps me. I'm having a good time. Okay. Yeah. I do want to just say, and he like has a pint of uh, Guinness in his hand. Mm-hmm. Someone walks out to him. And he's like, there's a group of people that's on the tip of the spear as far as entertainers go. And I just want to say, uh, comedians, particularly stand-up comedians. He's like, the rest of us, you know, we hide behind our guitar and I'm, we hide behind our music. He's like, there's one group of people in entertainment in this industry that is more impressive, about that? more honest, more true than anybody else. He's like, I just want to say I love stand-up comedians, and they're the only true artists in our genre and whatever. And I'm like, whoa, this is deep. Like, what's right. this about? And then he goes, and with that in mind, I do want to thank one of the greatest living comedians in the world who's with us tonight celebrating his birthday. He's like, he's right here, sent it up in this suite. And he points out, he's like, Long-time friend of mine. Happy birthday to Chris Rock. Oh. And like, Chris Rock was there. 
and had requested, there's a website I didn't know about, I'm not a music guy, where the second this concert had ended, there's this website that tells you the set list. Yeah, and that's like what I was looking up for you to see yeah, what they would be playing, yeah. All these details. So the song that they played that Chris Rock requested, I don't know the name of it, they had not played as a band since 2015. And so Bono's like, we're going to play this for you, buddy. I know you love it, and this is what you want, but we haven't played it in years, and we don't know how to play it, so don't don't judge us too harshly. But like then he's like, tries to cheers him a pint, you know, and uh, and then we all sang "Happy Birthday" to Chris Rock in the weirdest night of my life. That's you know? not a bad Wednesday. <laughs> so as Bono said, it was not a Wednesday. It was New Year's Eve. It was Christmas Eve. How about it? It was the best night of our life. That lives. is cool. Sphere man, sphere, sphere, sphere guy, sphere. Not a CrossFit guy. Mm-mm. But I will talk about the sphere as much as you are now guys. a sphere guy. You're going to bring it up in convos. Have you guys been to the sphere? So much. I'm going to over sphere it just like I did this entire segment. You know, that's uh, we got a circle. Some... You know what else is the sphere? <laughs> we got some sports things to discuss. <laughs> yeah. The Daniel Gafford trade. When I first heard about it, there's no trade the Wizards can make that's going to bother me. I'll just start with that. I like Gafford. Fine. They traded him. The player they get back is fairly irrelevant. Doesn't matter. There was draft pick compensation as well. And my initial response was, I want to see what this was. Probably a second-round pick early, maybe a late first protected. Don't really know what's going on, but I'll take whatever. Fine. It sounds like this is actually not only a first-round pick, but a lottery pick. So I'm trying to track down the specifics here. So the the language that Mark Stein, who reported the trade, uses is very uh, conf- uh, confusing, is what I would say. So I'm going to read it to you. You tell me what you think, Okay. Leak sources tell the Steinline that Dallas is also acquiring Oklahoma City's second least favorable first-round pick. What does that mean to you? Second least favorable. So second worst, right? Is also acquiring Oklahoma City's second least favorable first-round pick in the 2024 NBA draft this June to send to Washington in the Rashawn Holmes for Daniel Gafford trade. Again, as you mentioned, Holmes, barely relevant. He's a big, he'll play, but who cares? It sounds like, looking it up, that... Uh, Oklahoma City, who, by the way, is so silly, maneuvering all around these draft boards and, and working the lottery, their best pick is via Houston, which stands at number 10 right now. Obviously, they'll have a draft lottery, so but that, that'd be the 10th pick. The second pick they have in the first round belongs to Utah. That goes to Oklahoma City. Their worst first-round pick is via the Clippers. So second least desirable to me is that middle one, that second-place one, right? And it stands right now, Utah would but be in 13th place. could that change, place. or is it based on at the moment of the deal? Because based on standings. So Utah's, I no, believe, no, I is, top, is, is top 10 protected, I believe. But what I mean is, if the deal is just the, the term is your second worst pick in the first round, could they then go add another first round pick? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Or is it at the time of the deal being consummated? That's, That's what I want to know. It is a great question. And also, NBA trades can kick rocks largely for mm-hmm. this. Like this terminology and the protected, unprotected, second worst. You need a damn degree in like NBA economics to be able to navigate the deadline. It's No other sport is like that. It's crazy to mm-hmm. me. But if what we believe Mark Stein is saying is true, and you take that to mean maybe a late lottery, even if it's not a late lottery and it's just a mid-first, but the way it all shakes out, with all due respect to Daniel Gafford, I mean, they just added a big who's been playing really well in Marvin Bagley. It, nothing really matters in terms of who's good and who isn't on the team right now anyway. Get all the draft picks you can, as high as possible. That's the whole point of what they're doing right now. We're watching this terrible team. They're losing all the time. Go get draft picks. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you cannot get me upset about making a trade if you're the Wizards at this point. And, and the way it sounds here is they're almost passengers 
in other more meaningful trades. Like you know, other te- other players or other teams are requiring more meaningful impact players. Gordon Hayward's on the move. P.J. Washington's on the move. Uh, uh, Bojan Bogdanovic is on the move. All, all, all sorts of things are important. There'll be more moves to, to be made. What you can do is be a, I'll facilitate it. I'll help you. I'll add that one player or I'll add that future second rounder or whatever to, to unload maybe a bad contract that we could then have come off the books or be a guy that, you know, as we said, end up with an extra first rounder, potential lottery pick if I'm reading this thing right. We'll confirm that uh, as soon as we possibly can, you know, th- those details. But this is what should be happening. Thrilled about it. I saw one report real quick, GP, and then I'll, I'll tag you back in. It sounds like the Wizards were at least telling teams that they planned on having Kyle Kuzma stay with them past uh, this trade deadline. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, very interesting. He would have been the first name I expected that they'd move. My guess is they still feel like there's value there that they can get at a later time. Mm-hmm. They signed him to a four-year deal for a reason, yep. right? you got to trade him at peak market. And if you're reading the tea leaves and you know your report from uh, the real estate website comes back and it's down a little bit, then maybe the anticipation uh, of what you can get later feels a little juicier. But if anything happens with the Wizards, you will hear it right here. On the fan, we will keep you up to speed of everything going on at the NBA trade deadline. Obviously, we're out here for the Super Bowl. Big game coverage on the fan is presented by Solo Stove. Feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless fire pit, solostove.com. We'll get to Super Bowl 58 in a second. We do have some commander's news today, though, and this is news I like on the coaching staff. Brian Johnson, who is the OC and play caller for the Eagles this past season, has been hired, or is being hired, according to Jeremy Fowler, by Washington to be on Cliff Kingsbury's offensive staff. Now, he's calling it a prominent role. I don't know what that looks like. Quarterbacks coach, pass game coordinator probably, mm-hmm. something like that. Brian Johnson was on a rocket ship toward stardom and head coaching status. He had actually interviewed for head coaching jobs in this cycle, just based, I think, more than anything else on like where his stock was around the league before this season, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a tough second half. He got blown out. They are changing everything about the entire coaching staff. Patricia's gone. Uh, Sirianni's hitting reset. But Brian Johnson's one of these guys who came from the college ranks. He's very young. He's 36 years old. He's been at Florida. He's been at Houston. He's got that college game, dual-threat quarterback thing. Worked out in spades. He got to call plays for the Eagles. They regressed. Him and Hurts didn't necessarily get on the same page. But the thought is this could be one of the next – leaders of the next wave of OCs and play callers in the league and is a shortlist guy for the head coaching roles you'll be hearing about two, three, four years from now. So this is what I'm talking about, Danny, with Kingsbury. Cool, you get Cliff Kingsbury. That's nice. Are you able to layer him with up-and-coming star assistants? This is one of those guys, and yep. it's another NFC East assistant. So you, you're plucking away from Dallas' staff, weakening them. You're plucking away from the Eagles. In this case, he was probably not going back there anyway, but he's got a lot of intel on all those guys. I don't hate that as a bonus. I love this. I love, love, love this. Now, if it works, you're going to lose him. Sorry, that's the cost of doing business. But, yes, that's absolutely a thing. This is what this is what you should be doing. So there are kind of a, couple diff- a few different categories where you want to be kind of mining here. The still very qualified, still very good, but bad recent experience type guy. Right, a Cliff Kingsbury, for example, uh, Brian Johnson, for example, would, would fit that bill. Where these are really good offensive minds. That didn't change because the Eagles went on a bad streak. You know what I mean? Like the the stink that you have on you means that you're going to be overqualified for the position in all likelihood that Washington signs you to. All in favor of that, right? Yes, 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 yes to that. I like having many, many smart people 
He's worked with Jalen Hurts. He's been around. He worked with Dak Prescott, I think, in Mississippi uh, in college. I am all in favor of him. As you said, enemy intel is great. Super qualified offensive mind. Can help implement some schemes and designs. Will be there, you would think, on the ground working alongside uh, the OC on this you know, quarterback to be named later. That's, that's coming very early. Help implement some schemes and designs. I am all in favor. I think it's a fantastic hire. Yeah, it would have been unpopular if they hired him as their offensive coordinator after what is viewed as a, a failed season in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have hated that, by the way. I don't know that I would have loved it, but I've been fine with it. I would have felt, frankly, about as good as I do about the Kingsbury hire, to be completely frank. But to have Kingsbury as your OC, and now not unlike Kingsbury, who was a head coach who didn't do well as a coordinator, don't judge him as a head coach, Brian Johnson's not going to be their coordinator. He's going to be working with either the quarterback or the pass game, whatever it is. But I think his experience, both at the college level and this year in Philly with Hertz, is going to lead to more speculation, possibly, of the idea of a running quarterback, which I'd like to get into in about 40 minutes at 3 o'clock. Next, though, Ross Tucker is based in Philly, does a lot of work with the Eagles. I want to ask him about Brian Johnson. We'll get his take on Super Bowl 58 as well. Where is he at on the staff? The commanders are putting together. Our buddy Ross Tucker is going to join us on site. We're out here at Radio Row Convention Center, Mandalay Bay, on the Strip. Grant and Danny on the fan. Welcome back to Grant and Danny on the fan. Kick off your future with the law firm of Kondorian Murad, the official G&D sponsor. They will help protect your assets, update your will and trust, schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. Visit kmlawyers.com and mention the show to get a discount. That's kmlawyers.com. Coming up at 4 o'clock, ahead of the Blitz today, we are giving away Caps tickets. You better be listening at that time. Steve Weish of NFL Network takes a deep dive into the commander's coaching search and what lies ahead for them in the NFC East That is in 35 minutes. But we're joined on site right now by our buddy Ross Tucker. He, of course, joins us throughout the NFL season, played in Washington, is one of the really sharp analysts covering the league at this point. Ross, it's awesome to see you in person after so many phone calls. It's so nice to see people in person that you talk to throughout the year. That's like the greatest value add, I feel like, of the Super Bowl. That's the thing, is to actually see someone like you in person. Because I talk to you, what, eight times a year or whatever it is on your show. So it's nice to actually get a chance to see you in person for once. Uh, Dan Quinn. Circuitous route. Washington lands on Dan Quinn as their head coach. It feels Rivera-y to me. You go with the defensive retread hire from the NFC South that got to the Super Bowl that one time with an MVP quarterback. Who am I talking about? But Obviously, there's more energy here, and it does seem like his great asset they thought would be building a staff, and we could pick nits on what he's done so far, but they got a star in Cliff Kingsbury. He brings over Joe Witt to call plays, who was going to be Dallas's defensive coordinator. They now bring in Brian Johnson today of the Eagles. They're starting to pick off some staffers from around the division. What do you think so far about the staff he's putting in place? So I feel good about the staff he's putting in place. I understand the Rivera E, and I you you make really good points in the comparison between those. I can certainly see how people feel that way. I guess what I would argue is, is two things. One is, I, I you know I like to ask you questions sometimes. Has this process taken a little bit of the buzz away from Josh Harris and the new ownership group? Because it feels like 
Dan Quinn was what? Their third choice Feels at best? Way. Ben Johnson and Mike McDonald, I think that's been reported. I guess that's the biggest negative to me. I feel fine about Dan Quinn as a coach. I, I'm actually a believer in guys getting second chances like Dan Quinn. So I feel good about him. Everybody raves about him. You know, the people in Atlanta will tell you he had game management issues, clock management issues that they didn't like. But I feel really good about Dan Quinn as a, as a player and as a coach from a player's perspective, I just I, – I'm worried that they lost an opportunity for all the joy that they had been having or were trying to have. I think even the people that were frustrated or maybe just disappointed, I don't think they're holding it against ownership necessarily. Like, let's say they did a bad job on the search, and I'm not sure that that's fair. It happens. You know, I, I think the fact that Dan's still gone, the fact that these guys are smart – the fact that they're doing a lot of things pretty well, there's still a honeymoon period going on. The, the beautiful thing is, though, we're at a point now where we're just kind of talking ball, calling balls and strikes. GM hire Adam Peters. People were elated, high-fiving, ready to, to build the statue. of, of Not Aaron. the other outside garbage. Right. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's, okay. it's and, okay and, and, to not agree with the football thing, but it's so different than the last thing where no matter what happened, you despise the guy and – People didn't want to give him a penny, so you weren't buying tickets, you weren't buying gear. It was just the apathy had set in, and this is a lot better. And honestly, ultimately, it doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? Like, the fact that they got their third choice. You know, if you remember when the Eagles hired Doug Peterson, he was considered the worst head coaching hire. I think the same might have been for Sirianni. People were not, like, impressed that the Eagles hired Sirianni. His opening presser specifically, the water the plant bit, he got killed. Terrible. Yeah. It was one of the worst things I've ever heard. So both those guys went to the Super Bowl for Philadelphia. So I think ultimately what matters is how Dan Quinn performs. You know, a lot of people thought he would get a head coaching job last year. It didn't happen. He got one this year. And I am a believer in guys getting second chances. All of us, I think, would be better the second time around we do something. You know what I mean? Like – the fans don't ever want to retread because they want to believe that the new guy they get is like can be, you know, Andy Reid or Bill Belichick or whatever. The reality is neither one of those guys had ultimate success until they went to their second stop, you know? Yeah, I think a lot of times, and this is not just coaching hires, but certainly talking about quarterbacks, whatever it is, if you haven't seen a guy screw up yet, there's this hope that he's – never going to or that he's going to be the next great one speaking of quarterbacks and ross tucker is with us on grant and danny you hear him throughout the year and we're getting to hang out with him here at radio row in vegas at mandalay bay convention center do you have any concerns about caleb williams with some of the like floating rumor stuff because i don't know what to do with this none of it's really coming from his mouth if people are penalizing him because we hear he wanted an ownership stake or now he doesn't want to play for the bears it might all just be nonsense. None of it might be true. And we're assuming, like the last time I remember this much stuff swirling around the quarterback was Kyler Murray. And as a pro, there has been some weirdness about yeah. him and his camp and whatever. So it gives me a little pause. How should I feel about that? I think that's a good comparison uh, in a lot of different ways. And I would say, you know, you talk with people and sometimes it can be a, a parent and sometimes it can be an uncle. Sometimes it can be their rep that uh, may not be experienced and or may think that they can sort of um, overstep their bounds, if you will, you know, overplay their hand. And so any of those things might be going on. 
I would say on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being very concerned, 1 being not concerned at all, I'm probably at a 3 or a 4. Okay. But that's not a 0. You know what I mean? That's not a 0. It's not, it's not a non-factor. This is when it's really important that you talk to his high school coach and you talk to Lincoln Riley and you find out, okay, let, let, what, let's separate fact from fiction. First of all, where is this stuff coming from? Is it his agent? Is it his dad? Where's it coming from? And is this what type of kid is he, or is this just his dad or whoever thinks he's you know thinks he can be Drew Rosenhaus or whatever and make these deals? You don't have like you say it's a three with Williams. You're a zero on Drake May, a zero on Jaden Daniels. In other words, they've given you no reason to be nervous from a, a personal standpoint at this point. Yeah, I haven't heard them say. I haven't heard. I haven't seen any reports saying they don't want to play for the Bears. Correct. That's one that jumps out to me. Or they want to be partial owners, which they can't do anyway by way of yeah. the league's rules. What about trading? Which, up by the way, one? that that is the part that makes me not as concerned, because that is evidence that whoever said that doesn't know what they're doing and they're inexperienced. Sure. So, like that would be how I would feel about that. Like it's somebody that's inexperienced and not really someone that knows what they're talking about. Ross Tucker played in D.C., one of our favorite NFL guests throughout the year on G&D. What's your thought on trading up from 2-1 to one if you're Washington rather than staying put and taking the guy that's best there? I always am curious about that. Walk me through that scenario. Because if the Bears want Caleb Williams, they're going to take Caleb Williams. Definitely. If the Bears don't want Caleb Williams, they're not going to take him. You would only trade up if somebody else is willing to trade up. Why else would you trade up? Well, you would only reasons. trade up if you thought that another team, if the Bears said, listen, the Patriots are going to trade up for one, well, then you have a decision to make. But until you get to that point, why is there even a conversation? So Washington would trade up if they really want Caleb Williams. If they evaluate it and decide he is Mahomesian or he is head and shoulders better than the other two, this is a generation. But don't trade up just to trade up. Trade up oh, if no, you have to be. trade up. Correct. But no, no, they. I, yeah, you're giving up too much. I wouldn't. I don't think they would do that. But if if you know if the Bears aren't going to take him and they want to move back, well, someone else is coming up to get him. The problem is, if a team's coming up from behind you, three, five, seven, eight, whatever, they're giving such a massive haul, you probably can't equal it. But maybe the Bears go, you know what? We really like Jaden Daniels, or we really like Drake May. We can get them at two. Washington comes up, gives us two second rounders this year, 34 and 40, and a first next year. We get those three picks plus Jaden Daniels, who we like better than Caleb Williams anyway, or you know, we're worried about Caleb Williams. And so it actually makes a lot of sense for the Bears if if they're not in on Williams. It, it all depends on what these teams think about the considered number one prospect. I think it's highly unlikely that the Bears trade the number one pick. You know why? Because whatever they would get in return, I don't know that it's worth the message it sends of not taking our guy at one. You know what I mean? Like, that's a dangerous game to play. And it also, maybe you could argue it's just smart, and I get that, but I I feel like you want to send the message, this is the guy. Like, this is our guy. We're taking him at one. Now, if they can, if the Patriots and Washington want a battle to try to get to number one to get the guy you don't want, then maybe you can pull that off. Maybe. Super Bowl I think 58, it's unlikely. Ross. Yeah. 
Who's your Who's your squad? Who are we rolling with? Oh, the Chiefs. Have you heard, has Has anybody said the Niners to that? Has a single Actually, person said that? It's getting. I don't want to say lazy, but it's getting redundant and and pretty constant that everyone's now just saying Mahomes, Mahomes, Mahomes. Can't bet against them. But yeah, we've had some people pick the Niners. I mean, on paper, they're the deeper, better roster. It's just that hasn't mattered a whole lot because you got Mahomes and Reed doing their thing. I. I don't know how they're favored. I don't know how you could look at these teams in the playoffs and say that you think that the Niners are better. I don't know how that happens. I mean, I, the Chiefs have been the better team in all three playoff games, including at Buffalo, at Baltimore. The Niners, I mean, I can name six plays right now, Grant, that if they went the other way in the Packers game, they would have lost that game. And then you can also go to the, the next game, with the Lions that dominate them. I mean, the Chiefs have the better defense. The Chiefs right now have the better offensive line. They obviously have the better quarterback. I, I guess here's what I would say. If they played ten times, I think the Chiefs would win seven. Maybe even eight. Wow. But okay. definitely seven, right? So then where does that put you if you're the Niners? Maybe this is one of the two or three games where they win, but I don't okay, know. Okay, but you bet on ball. If that's the case, why is the line what the line is? Great question because I have a betting podcast, the Even Money Betting Podcast, and the answer is they go with the whole season, the large sample, and they do the power ratings based on – and for most of the season, they thought the Niners were the best team. Yeah. And they thought the Niners are like nine points better than an average team, okay? And then they would tell you that the Chiefs are like six and a half points better than an average team. That's how you get a line of about two and a half. What I would argue is they don't heavily weight the re- – they don't put enough weight on the recent sample size. And to me in the playoffs. Like, that's that's the issue. Thank you, buddy. Of course. Always great Good to, to see, you. see you. Ross, thank you, buddy. Enjoy what's left of Super Bowl week. Next, Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred making a comment about Masson and the TV deal of the Nationals that you guys are going to want to hear. We're Grant and Danny. Welcome back. Grant and Danny on the fan. Danny holding down the fort in D.C. I'm out here at Radio Row in Las Vegas on the Strip, Mandalay Bay Convention Center. Big game coverage all week long on 106.7 The Fan presented by Solo Stove. Feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless file pit. Solostove.com. Jeremy Fowler, who's had a bunch of news the last 24 hours on the commander's staff, so this is relevant, saying that they're hiring Raiders defensive pass game coordinator Jason Simmons to come to Washington for the same role. So under Dan Quinn, the head coach, and Joe Witt Jr., the defensive coordinator, Jason Simmons, the defensive pass game coordinator of the Raiders, will help in the secondary and control the pass game defensively. He has gotten a lot of credit for the development of Jair Alexander, Dante Jackson, Jack Jones over the years. Raiders are top 10 in scoring defense this past season. Seems to me like he and Witt work together in Green Bay and know each other from their time with the Packers. So maybe this is a guy Witt likes, trusts, wanted to get on his staff. So the commanders today continuing to fill out their coaching staff, Danny. Yeah, so listen, I I couldn't tell all the specifics of Jason Simmons' schemes, designs, and and things like that, but you touched on the lone point that I was going to make. Oakland, uh, Oakland, I'm sure. Vegas had a sneaky good defense this year. Now, I know it's basically like Max Crosby in a cloud of dust, but 
they were better than people gave them credit for, especially once Antonio Pierce took over. They were putting up some pretty legit point totals uh, really down the stretch of the season. I don't think they give up more than 23 points at all, mostly holding teams to you know to, to, to the low teens and even single digits in that weird 3-0 game against Minnesota. That defense was pretty legit, so I, I like that. I, I'm, I'm all in favor of when in doubt you pluck people from good places. There was a story written in the post that dropped today. Javala and Fortier both cover the commanders on Eric Bieniemy. Bieniemy lasted one season with the commanders. Here's what went wrong. It's kind of a deep dive into the behind the scenes and what we saw on the field of how his multi-year contract became a one-year deal. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's that complicated, and that's not to belittle. I'm just reading the story now. They've got some great insight, and it's, there's good nuggets in here, good reporting. But you came to a place with a potential lame duck head coach who got fired amid an ownership change. Yeah. And Biennemi was one of Dan Snyder's last hires. Like, he signed off on that move and signed that deal, mm-hmm. right? So you could just end the conversation there. They've changed owners. They've changed coaches. You might be out of luck as an OC. That's pretty common. On top of that, you add in the offense was inconsistent. There was no balance. No, they didn't run the ball at all, basically, even to the extreme of as a guy that likes to throw. Even I was kind of cringing at times going, man, this is tough. Uh, your quarterback, Sam, held regressed as the season went on. And you weren't that popular seemingly with the players in the locker room. Like, that's the Gordy Howe hat trick of how you don't come back after a season. Uh, I don't know how much more of a deeper dive is needed at that point. I do hope he gets a chance in a gig elsewhere. He is in the running, it sounds like, for the Seattle offensive coordinating job with Mike McDonald. That wouldn't seem like a good schematic fit, though, right? Just given what Seattle's loved to do over the years, and you hired a defensive guy, maybe maybe you want you know opposites attract there or something complimentary. But, I mean, to me, the undoing for Biennemi isn't necessarily the number of pass attempts. I know that drives people crazy, especially in this marketplace where, where you get enough bloviators and shouters that you have to do certain things in terms of running the ball. I think you needed to do more to protect your quarterback. Running would have been one of those things. Play action is one of those things. Lining up, being able to line up under center at times and disguise plays a bit more, uh, you know, more max protect type things to protect how the obstinance to just, nope, we're going to do our stuff, do our stuff, do our stuff, got the poor kid blasted. And who knows how many of those hits added up to compound to his slide, talking about Howells in the back part of the season. I don't know if you ever got the, the best shake there, but, yeah, the, the numbers, when you turn in the homework assignment, the numbers aren't good for Eric Bieniemy. There's no way around that. And it was probably, I don't want to say unfair, because that's probably excessive, but it was not, not ideal. a great situation. It was yeah. far from an ideal situation for Bieniemy looking back now. Uh, Chelsea Janes, I just want to squeeze this in. I teased it really quickly. Uh, Rob Manford was speaking today, and Chelsea Janes of the Washington Post was there. And he was asked about the Nats-Orioles TV rights situation, Danny. This is important to a lot of our listeners. Manford said, this is a quote, All I can say is change always produces an opportunity. We'll see, end quote. If you're a Nats fan, you know how big of a deal it would be to reverse that Masson deal in some capacity. Not just financially for the team to get them out of the stranglehold of the worst TV deal in sports, but on top of that, and maybe more importantly, it would open the door to a sale. So for him, kind of today suggesting, yeah, there's a gleam here. This could possibly be good for that. Man, was that music to people's ears. Doesn't mean anything. No. There's no, nothing's accomplished. But I'd rather hear that than the opposite, which is what the last several years have been. Yeah, I'd rather hear that than we're screwed. I, I mean, the, the most salient point, and someone smarter could, could come in and, and slam a card down and trump me here. I, I don't know what I don't know. But the most salient point that I can kind of keep come back to is, the only way that this changes 
is with the will of the team that and or individuals that are the controlling party here. AKA previously would have been the Angelos is now it's Rubenstein and the Orioles that end of it. The only way the way this language was written as I understand it from what smart people have said, the only way this will change is if they would like it to change. If they come to the table and say let's do something new, they should be incentivized to do that because they could do better, but don't count on it because they wanted to be nice to the Nationals or do them a favor. The deal favors the Orioles. So th- that's a reason why it hadn't been torn up to this point. NFL Network's Steve Weish has some good insight on Brian Johnson I want to tap into. So we'll talk to him about why Washington was so keen on this up-and-coming assistant who, frankly, you know, his name post the Eagles season where he was the play caller and things didn't go very well took a big hit. But it seems like a huge hire for Cliff Kingsbury, whether it works or not, is going to largely determine how his time as the coordinator is going to go. So we'll talk to Steve Weish next. Spencer Rattler, by the way, the college football star quarterback, who's going to be drafted in the mid-rounds, is going to join us today at 345. Troy Vincent, the executive vice president of football ops at 5. I caught up with him yesterday, actually, for I got eight minutes with him, believe it or not. And I just ran through all the rules that you and I hate and asked him what we can do to fix some of those things. G&D on the fan. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.